This is Dr. Jerry Jaffe, and welcome to the Comical Heathen. Comical Heathen documents my investigations into the art and craft of religious satire. Every episode will feature an interview with a comedian or some other interesting person on the topic of religious satire. Today's episode features my conversation with Ken Evans. I was fortunate to work with Ken at the historic Holly Hotel in Holly, Michigan. Holly Hotel is a great comedy venue known throughout the region. When you work the Holly Hotel, between shows they provide the comics with a meal, and let me say right off the bat that the food there is delicious. During this meal break in the green room, I set up some mics, and Ken and I talked about religious satire. There's some crowd noise in the background as the crowd for the second show began showing up. It gives this conversation a little more of that green room feel, and I want to warn my listeners that there is some adult language in this episode. Delightful raconteur with 30-plus years' experience in comedy, Ken had a lot to say on the topic of religious satire. Ken has appeared on Comedy Central and performs often in Las Vegas. Our conversation included many anecdotes about humorous encounters with religion in real life and some of the difficulties of using them as material on stage. He ranks Sam Kennison as one of the best comedians doing religious satire. Ken tells our really good Doubting Thomas joke and also tells the story of when someone actually said to him, Thou art Satan. And he also brings up the irony of religious satire being a God-given talent. And now, my conversation with Ken Evans. Welcome to this episode of The Comical Heathen. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Here with me tonight is a comedian with 30 years experience. He's been on Comedy Central, plays Las Vegas. We're working together this weekend at the Holly Hotel in Holly, Michigan. Ken Evans. Yes, and I think you named it after me. Heathen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, definite heathen. I wanna, that's what I want to find out about, the heathenness. In this podcast, I just like to talk a little bit about religious satire and how a comedian like you views it. And the show this weekend, you've done a little bit here and there. Little. Like your Christian mingle. Yeah, I, I had, joke. I had um, some other jokes over the years that sure. I did. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Sure. You find out that there's different segments of the country that Does that do that difference? differently. Yes. Yeah. So if you, you go down south, you know, people yeah. get a little more upset. Like, I remember I did a joke. I said, well, I know why they call this the Bible Belt. Because on Sunday, you Southerners would read the Bible to the slaves, and rest week, they used the belt on it. <laughs> I didn't even think that was that funny. <laughs> but did other regions or cities yes. think it was funny? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Midwest. It just depends on how conservative they are. Sure. But I, do you think there were like specific cities or even comedy clubs or venues that really soaked up religious satire? Like we'd think. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do a lot of it because sure. everybody thought that was taboo. Sure. But I had other jokes. Uh, I thought a, a, a funny one in, mm-hmm. was in the era, well, talking about Jesus because people sure. have some Jesus jokes. Sure. But mine was, because I was reading a little bit about histories, when they came out with the triathlon, was before Jesus was born. So he was around when they had the triathlon. <laughs> so I was thinking, in my mind, could you imagine if Jesus entered the triathlon? Right. I mean, there they are. They're all lined up because it was a big deal. Sure. You know? And uh, then they say, go! And everybody starts swimming. That's the first part of the triathlon. Mm-hmm. There's Jesus jogging on the water next to him. You know? Everybody's going, what a great day. Don't I know it. Thanks, Dad, as he looks in the skies. Of course, he gets a big lead. You know, He yeah. gets out of the water, starts running. Right. They're doing the marathon. Well, people always held out water and stuff. But there's Jesus. Instead of drinking the water, he touches it, turns it to wine. People are going nuts. They start cheering for Jesus. Like, man, this guy's the best. Jesus, Jesus. Then they hop in the chariot. He's got such a big lead. But, sure. You know, the Greeks are a little pissed off, and they're yeah. like, hey, yeah. 
So what they do is they change the signs on him, and now he has to go through a lake. <laughs> does it stop Jesus? No. Raises his hand, parts the water, goes right through. Ha-ha! Try again! <laughs> Sets the world record, gets done, and there's Thomas over there going, man, I shouldn't have doubted him. I, I don't know why I didn't bet on Jesus. Now i got to make money in a different way. Right. Hmm, yes. What could I do? <laughs> You know, you don't often hear a good Doubting Thomas joke, actually. <laughs> well, there you go. So I haven't done that in a long time. And then you alluded to the other joke I did right. recently because... I don't know, they, well, it's that about, starts off as like an ex-wife joke. Yes, which, okay. which is true. And, right. and so I said, Is well, it true that you met your ex-wife on ChristianMingle.com? No, okay. but I just thought the commercials are so goofy oh, yeah. because they're taking advantage of, yes. of faith-based. And it's yes. just a way to make money. And yeah, it seems I don't like a, a weird business model. Like if someone ha- was a person of faith... They should have faith that their God will lead them to their partner. Exactly. Like, what the, exactly. Well, how's the website an intermediary for God leading you to your partner? And if that's, that's what you believe in. And that's why I made the joke, you know. <laughs> and the joke is, uh, you know, I met my wife on Christian Mingle. Yeah, got divorced. Which is weird because I, I, I call my wife cheating on me, which I guess that happens. I understand that. I guess, no, I do. But the weird part is I met her on that ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> yeah, you see the commercials. Find God's match for you. Well, Imagine my surprise. Or if I'm not, God wanted me to marry a whore. Apparently, Jesus doesn't make a very good wingman. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. And then I, you know, I do some jokes about right. other religions, right. too. Some people do it because they right. don't understand. Sure. I well, mean, I were, never understood, like, the 72 virgins. Sure. You know, you're going to heaven to get 72 virgins, right. which I... Yeah. Which I've um, heard, I'd be glad to fact check this. Sure. That like a, a, a lot of, sometimes in religion you come across confusion because of mistranslation, because mm-hmm. there's such old documents originally. Right. And the, it may not be 72 virgins. So maybe it's like uh, you get like seven versions and a condo on a beach in a Corvette? I, I, I heard 72 um, dates. I mean like the vegetable, like the fruit, 72 dates. Oh. And that the word for date has been mistranslated as to woman or virgin. Well, that would make a big difference. Yes. <laughs> make a huge difference. I mean, the, uh, the joke is always how long do 72 virgins last, but 72 dates do not last. I mean, that's a weekend of yeah. snacking at most. Yeah, if you're hungry and you're drinking, those are gone. Yes. Because <laughs> I thought it was 72 virgins, you know. I mean, you think about it, and these guys have to earn those by, you know, mm-hmm. basically, what is their right. creating a... Yes, uh, becoming a martyr. Yeah, becoming a martyr. So they get to heaven, but I'm thinking, there's already been 10,000 suicide bombers. Yes. I think all the hot virgins are gone by now. Yes. <laughs> they get up there, there's Roseanne Barr and Rosie O'Donnell, you know. <laughs> what is this bullshit? <laughs> My dates are eating me out of house and home. Well, that's another you sometimes hear when discussing the Virgin Mary that maybe the original word thousands of years ago just meant young woman. Like yes. it didn't literally mean, mean virgin. Okay, virgin. that's right. interesting. And I got in trouble. Um, I didn't do this. This is actual story. This actually happened. I was at the comedy club in Ann Arbor, right? So I'm in between sure. shows. I've done some showcases there. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So um, I was at the old one, and I'm sitting on yeah. the stairs. And as you know, it's a very uh, unusual town. All the nightlife is right downtown. Sure. Great for people watching. Sure, I love Ann Arbor. Yes. And so this guy's walking down the street, and he's got uh, Birkenstocks on, big heavy beard, sure. and a uh, T-shirt on. He's holding the Bible in his hand. He's screaming... Praise the Lord thy father. Praise the Lord thy father. And But everybody's giving him a wide berth because they right. think he's nuts. Yeah, sure. But I didn't. I thought he was entertaining. Right. <laughs> so as he's walking by, I said, I pointed at him and I said, and praise the son, Jesus Christ, too. 
Right. And his eyes lit up. Right. And he's attracted to me, so he right. comes over. Sure. And he points the Bible and he goes, and praise the Holy Ghost. Mm. And I said, well, I don't know about that. That's just, <laughs> that's just something the Catholics made yeah. up, you know, <laughs> you know, to keep women down. Yeah. <laughs> I said, basically, you know, you're never going to see a female priest or a right. female pope. Mm. It's basically what right. they did, in my opinion. Right. And he goes, thou art Satan. And I sit up and goes, please to meet you. Hope you guess my name. <laughs> and he ran away. <laughs> I, I did not know we were going there, but I just have to, uh, some of my regular listeners might know, that's my favorite Rolling Stone song. Oh, okay. So I'm glad yes. that you got to that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah that's a true story. That actually happened. I, I haven't done that in a while. I forgot all about it. Um, did you, um, as, a, as a either young person or a young comedian, have any... You know, like uh, comedians you liked who did religious satire? Uh, well, you know, Sam Kennison had the best bits about yes. that. And yeah. They were awesome. And But, you know, growing up, I was... Which I like about Sam Kennison is that as a young man, he was a preacher himself. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and it sort of comes through. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. very clever what he did. And, yes. And I love that. But, you know, growing up, I, I you know, I, I was the only person in my household to actually go to church. And okay. I was in the choir and okay. I enjoyed it and it was sure. a good way to meet people and but as I, I was growing up I lived with a bunch of uh, neighbor kids but they were Catholic sure but they had had all these weird rules to me like right. they'd wear ashes on their head on yeah. Wednesday and then they'd have to eat fish on Friday and then they'd say I was going to hell because sure. I couldn't do that which made me nervous and then yes. as I got older I realized it's just all bullshit right because in a way to me the most simplest thing was the Ten Commandments right what better way to lead your life than that? Sure. So if you obeyed that, then you're pretty much golden. <laughs> I think um, according to his brother, who was also a, a preacher, because they came from a family of preachers, that's what Sam Kennison used to preach, was like a simple version of like, if Jesus is inside you, that's all you need. Yeah. And it turned out that's not a good message for an evangelical preacher, because no one will donate money, because they don't think they need the church. And there is the root of all evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you look back in time, yes. you know, all the wars were caused because of greed, right. money, and power. You, wasn't because they wanted, you know. You rarely hear, I, I won't say never, because I haven't fact-checked every preacher in the world, but tell, tell evangelicals or even Sunday churches, you'll never hear someone say, you don't need us, don't give us your money. Yeah. You know, it's all inside of you, whatever you believe in, your faith, if you're... Believe in Jesus or whatever you believe in, it's just in you. Yeah, and I believe that because yes. you feel it. It's a right. spiritual awakening. You feel it, and, and that's how you. You did live tell your life. me an interesting story earlier this weekend about meeting, uh, yes. dating a Baptist girl. Okay, so I was dating meeting. a Baptist girl, and I had been baptized as a, a Presbyterian, but I wasn't completely submerged. And the sure. Baptists believe you got to be completely submerged sure. because of John the Baptist. Right, it's what he did with Jesus. So she felt I was going to go to hell because sure. I wasn't completely submerged, and she was worried about it. Sure. So she says, well, you have to come to this sermon at my church, and you'll understand. So I went to the church, and they had the whole sermon about why you need to be baptized. And afterwards, I went to, said, can I talk to you, the, the pastor? And we went mm -hmm. in the back, and he says, well, Ken, you know, I think it's important you need to be baptized completely submerged. Mm -hmm. I says, well, you know, when Jesus was dying, next to him on the cross was a thief. Mm-hmm. I says, he said to that thief, you will sit with me on the right-hand side yeah. in the kingdom of God. Yeah. I said, do you think he was baptized? Right. And he said, no, I do not. I go, but you believe he's in heaven? He says, of course. Right. I says, well, there you have it. <laughs> why do I need to be baptized? He says, well, that's Jesus, you know, saying this guy's going to be. I go, well, why can't he be up in heaven going, you know what, yes. Ken, you don't have to have completely submersed in water. Right. I'm still going to take sure. you. Sure. If, if that's your belief system, then it's directly from Jesus. Yes. That's and, not from a Baptist 
priest submerging you in water. Right, right. he didn't have any answer. Right. And to me, again, it's more bullshit, you know, another, sure. another rule that people made up that uh, if you believe this, then... And right. they, that's how they, to me, they, they get you in. To, right. You know, you got all these rules, and if you're obeying the rules, right. and you're a better person than the other one, and it's too much. Do you, do you think... I mean, I'm going to, like, borrow your phrase too much, but I'm going to say something different with it. Is it possible for, for comedians... <laughs> To go too far with religious satire, do you think? Is there a, sure. a limit that you think is beyond sure, I, I, good I think taste for good comedy? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to... I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would be offended if somebody, you know, did mm -hmm. some joke about, I don't know, some sexual joke, you know, sure. with innuendo and overly graphic with Jesus. Sure. Or, you know. But I, I think a little bit, because only because I feel that other people are offended by that, too. Right. And in my sensibilities, I would be, depending on the joke, you know. <laughs> Um, if I remember, but correct me, do do you do cruise ships frequently? I haven't in a while. Because I know you mentioned them in your yes, act. So yes, I was just, yes, uh, I did. Just wondering that. They often say there's like slightly different audience, sometimes slightly different rules. There's a, is that uh, not worth going into religious satire on a cruise ship? Yeah, probably, because, and here's why. Because the people have the power of the pen. Okay. <laughs> so if you said something that offended somebody, yep. those busy buddy do... Gooders will get that pen out and they'll right. write that down because at right. the end they have to turn in a sheet on what they thought of everything. Sure. And I had a couple times where people complained about certain jokes. Sure. And then and those are just jokes, not even yes. religious yes. satire. Yes. Or so you like kind of want to steer away from things that are going to piss people off. Right. So, but it depends. You got to feel out your audience. But you know, there's a second show on the cruise ships, which sure. is called the adult comedy show. Right. So I think you're more apt to get away with it at that particular time because okay. everybody's drunk. Okay. As of doing it during the family yeah. show, of course, you wouldn't do that. Well, I think I noticed, you know, with open mics or just those showcases, which I mean, shall we say, you know, either amateurs or people who are just learning the craft of comedy. Mm -hmm. When they delve into trying some religious satire, um, it seems to be. What do I want to say? You know, maybe it's not a good joke, like despite its satire. Like, maybe the joke right. itself isn't funny. And then there's like an awkwardness. Amateur comedian blames the audience. Right, exactly. Meanwhile, the audience is like just feeling bad because... Of that joke, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge awkward moment has been created. Right. I mean, there's some stuff I still haven't even done, which I thought was funny. Here's one I wrote was uh, about my niece. She mm -hmm. was cute and, mm -hmm. you know, and of course we're in the church and you see a picture mm -hmm. of Jesus and he's on the cross, you right. know, and... She's like wondering, who's that? I'm like, well, that's Jesus, your Savior. But she didn't really understand what Savior was. And sure. she's like, well, what did he do? And I said, well, I, I, I guess in reality he was a carpenter. And she's like, well, he wasn't very good. He's got nails in his hand. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Excellent. <laughs> Through a child's eyes. Uh, yes. <laughs> if you could somehow blame that on your niece, like, yeah. you know, like it's not you saying it. Yeah. Maybe you could find a way to work that on stage. Yeah. Well, I did do one about it. Was um, we, I, so we were setting up the nativity scene. Okay. And that was our job, and she was helping me. Right. And uh, But then she came out, and she's just, Uncle Kenny, Uncle Kenny, there's terrorists by Jesus' right. crib. And I'm, like, freaking right. out, looking. I'm like, no, darling, those are the three wise men. She says, they look like Al-Qaeda. <laughs> so to make her feel better, I got one of my old G.I. Joe soldiers with an AK-47, <laughs> put a Bush Cheney bumper sticker on the manger. She slept like a baby. Yes, excellent. <laughs> What do you think of, um, I want to ask, uh, this is a question really sort of focused on you, Ken, because just in getting to know you, you've mentioned that one of your other lives is managing this rather large and successful haunted house oh, facility yes. in the Halloween season. Right. So I just thought I'd just, again, this is like just a random question apropos nothing. 
Is there like a religious satire on Halloween? You, you know, know like you're absolutely right. Zombie nativity down in Ohio is kind of a controversial thing. One of my partners is a big Republican Christian, you know, okay. Senator Cruz. Sure. That dickhead. <laughs> uh, all the way. And then, so he was always fighting me about, oh, you can't do that. That's, you know. Right. You, that's, that brings up some connotation. I'm like, it's a haunted house, dude. Yes. You know, it's supposed to be satanic. Ah, no, yes. we can't use the word Satan. We okay. shouldn't have the devil in there. And then I had a cross in one room. He'd make me take it down. Right. And like, so, so he was strongly against that. Yeah. So I imagine maybe there's some people that came in and mm -hmm. did too. But to me, I'm like, dude, it's, you know, it's horror. Right. Well, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of a, I don't know if it's parallel, but... I it can depend on the town, and, and you've done a lot of stuff down south, and I've done very little down south, where, I don't know how to put it, but like, I don't, in my imagination, really, really strictly religious people, like the most extreme Orthodox, don't go to comedy shows. Yes, because so they get offended. Of, yeah. A little bit of room. If I am dabbling in religious satire, I often somehow preface it by saying I'm talking about extremists. Right. Like, oh, biblical literalists say something like this. So that like mainstream religious people feel comfortable, and I wonder if something similar with the haunted houses, like, like super religious people, I don't think are the are, primary audience going into no, but some haunted of them, houses. You know, because their kids want to go, so they're dragging sure. them. Just like any corporate event, some of right. these people. And you have up. like a hayride portion as well. Right, which seems like family and friendly. Yes, a little yes, bit. it is. That is yeah. the most family friendly out of anything, but. The same thing in a corporate event. People are there. They didn't know they were coming to a comedy show. The corporation right. hired you to perform. Yes. So I've had people get offended by stuff I said. We, I wasn't even talking about religion. Sure. You could tell they were quite conservative. Yeah. And I used you know the F word or this. And sure. Oh my God! I can't believe he said that. And like right. really, you know. Yes. So okay. you could be. They just end up being there, even though they weren't trying to. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have chose to be there. <laughs> All right, Ken. Well, our, our food is arriving, so we'll wrap up in the next few seconds. Let me yeah. just end by saying anything, other thoughts on religious satire or, you know, religious parody, religious comedy? I, you know, I think, well, you know, it's a God-given talent, and if God okay. didn't want you to have that talent, why <laughs> Yes. There's an irony right there. Yeah, right? that is an irony right be. there, so. Yes. All right. But, yeah, like I said, there'd be some things I'd be offended by, but sure. I, I guess I haven't heard. Not a lot of comics do a lot of religious satire. Right. I mean, I don't know if you've worked with them, but I, I haven't worked with many that, that do that. No, I, I, I mean, I think similar you. to some of your general comments, I think most of the touring headliners or road warrior type comedians that I meet don't want, I don't know, like, I don't want to say they don't want to be like too edgy. I think they want to be sure the audience is having a good time. Right. So does that material help them? Ensure the audience is having a good. I know they're having a good time, but sometimes like, well, I don't give a shit. I, just want, to, <laughs> I want to try, you know, this yeah. this joke, and you're here to watch me. Right. This is my right profound and ceiling. So you should go along with me, right. you know. And so you know when you have them in your hand that they're going to go with, right. along with everything you say. Well, I find as I'm often featuring, if I'm featuring like for you, I have a certain like strategic slash professional things in my mind. I don't want to offend the audience. I actually don't want to do too much crowd work because I don't want to rile up the audience. And then God I bless you. If I'm, you know, when I have the chance to close a show, then I feel like now it's my show. Right. So if I want to do a half hour in religious satire, that's what it's going to be about. Then but you, that doesn't help you if I'm yeah. opening for you. Yeah, but that. you were taught well, and, and whoever did that, you know, God bless them. Because <laughs> not all comics do that. Right. I mean, they'll go up there and I'll be back there just steaming because there'll be, you know, crowd, cloud. 
crowd interaction and they're saying the F word every yeah. two minutes and you know, just Why? totally digging a hole. I'm like, are you kidding me? And where did you learn this from? You know, but a couple of years ago, the first time I closed a show anywhere, and it was near here, it was in Whitmore Lake. Um, the host, before he brought me up, told a joke about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's baby being a piece of shit. Yeah. See, and the audience and, was like, yeah. and then he goes, and now here's Jerry Jaffe. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was already stressing out because it was going to, not stressing out, but I wanted to do a good job because it was my first time. And then you almost have to show. point that out of how negative it was and yeah. I'll do that on stage yeah. too when I get pissed at somebody doing something that yeah. or, and I'll also come up to the comic and I say please never say that again either right. you don't say anything or you say something this is what I want before I come up yeah. something normal <laughs> I don't want to you know your mom being <laughs> fucked in the ass <laughs> you know right. uh, yeah and, and, but they'll do that and yes. it, it surprises the hell out of you you go yeah. really but, uh, so you just have to tell them and then or point it out when you right. get up there you know yeah he'll be performing at a church near you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right well let me just say thank you very much Ken oh you're for welcome time yeah. to talk to me about this yeah, it was and, good uh, working with you I'm sure we'll do it again I hope so and uh, let's let's enjoy this delicious food that they have at the historic yeah. Holly Hotel here okay, in Holly yeah. Michigan <laughs> all right uh, don't mind if I say a prayer do you? oh please do I insist <laughs> I, you don't mind if I edit it out though do you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right thanks all right, thank you This is your host again, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Such a great weekend at the Holly Hotel, and we recorded this in the green room, and this one really felt like one of those great green room conversations comedians sometimes get to have. In addition to all his anecdotes and stories, his background running that haunted house in Michigan was fascinating. I'll include a link to his haunted house in the information accompanying this podcast. I enjoyed hearing about how he has to balance some of the same concerns about working with uh, people and not wanting to alienate visitors. Before we finish up today, I'd like to make a quick trip over to the rabbit hutch. Me and my wife are rabbit enthusiasts, and we keep some beautiful rabbits, Kevin Bacon and Newton. We had Kevin Bacon first. She's a rescue from a shelter. Rabbits can be nervous and a little shy, and it took Kevin a few weeks to get used to us. After a few months, we wanted Kevin to have some companionship, so we got baby Newton from a breeder. He was about eight weeks old when we brought him home, and he was full of energy. By the way, both our rabbits have been fixed, so no baby bunny breeding for us. Because rabbits tend to be territorial, when you introduce new house rabbits to each other, they have to go through a bonding period. Our vet recommended stress bonding, which at first sounds a little bit like uh, enhanced interrogation, but it mostly just speeds up the bonding process by putting the rabbits into situations where they need each other for comfort. We would put Kevin and Newton into a box and take them for drives. They would huddle together in the car. Now they're best buns. Anyway, I noticed that one of the last uses for old-fashioned paper newspapers is lining the bottom of rabbit cages. That's what we do. Funny thing happens while doing that. I come across a lot of headlines. It's like I've gone back to reading the newspaper, but only at the bottom of rabbit cages. And there's one type of headline that really stands out to me. I see a lot of historical and factual misinformation out there about religion in newspapers because of the way most reporters treat stories about religion as soft journalism. And because of that, without even doing too much digging, you can find a lot of actual either questionable or indeed factual errors in some reporting on religion. Whenever I find examples of these, I have to set the record straight because it's good for our souls to know things. And so I'd like to pull a headline out of the bottom of the rabbit hutch. I see underneath their big rabbit feet a headline from an article I'd printed off the internet. The title is, Tom DeLay, People Keep Forgetting That God Wrote the Constitution. Now, this article is reporting something DeLay said in a radio interview. For those who don't remember DeLay, he's a politician from Texas who for many years was in the House of Representatives 
and from 2003 to 2005 was the House Majority Whip. He had to resign in 2005 after being indicted on criminal conspiracy charges. But, let me be clear, this upcoming rant is not specifically about delay, nor even too much about the whole article. See a headline or someone assert something like, God wrote the Constitution, my head nearly explodes. I actually wonder if I could charge someone with assault for saying that. Maybe they're trying to make my head explode. Some religious pundits might assert that the United States is a Christian country, and not just culturally, but constitutionally. A brief study of history shows us that this is simply not. Founding fathers specifically wanted to separate the government from religious leaders. They wanted to avoid a theocracy. You know, as characterized in Thomas Jefferson's famous phrase of erecting a wall between churches and government. You know, like some politicians uh, in Texas want to erect a wall between the people and education. Some of the founding fathers were, of course, personally religious, but many of them were secular humanists who believed in some sort of guiding hand or intelligence to the universe, but did not believe in miracles or theocratic doctrine. They believed in science and logic. You know, sometimes this will come up in coffeehouse conversations, and I point out to friends that the Constitution does not mention Christianity or Jesus ever, and only mentions God in any uh, form one time. How well do you know your Constitution? Do you know the one mention of God in the Constitution? What's the one mention of God? I'll tell you. Article 7 gives the date of the Constitution, stating, The year of our Lord, 1787. Yep, that's it, the date. Good thing our founding fathers didn't use the Julian calendar, or else we'd all have to get Caesarean sections. And religion itself is only explicitly mentioned two times. Once in Article 6, which provides that people of any religion can serve in public office, and second in the uh, First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, which bars an establishment of religion, which is to say the U.S. government uh, is not allowed to prefer one religion over another. You know, there might be a more uh, nuanced or temperate sentiment that people like DeLay could could make a more nuanced argument, something about the Founding Fathers being religious, or the basic cultural milieu of our country being Christian, or that the pilgrims were Christians, I suppose. But his approach eschews any historical subtleties, charges headlong into unreasonable and counterfactual hyperbole. Sounds like someone online trying to explain that Suicide Squad is a good movie. There's just no basis, in fact, or logic for believing either thing. And that's what I found underneath the feet of Kevin and Newton at the bottom of the rabbit hutch. Since I consider misinformation a sin, I call this misinformation. Whenever I see examples of misinformation, I have to speak out. I'm not trying to ruin anybody else's good time, but hey, it's not about your dogma, it's my karma. And I'm all about spreading the love. Having said that, it just remains for me to thank our guest, Ken Evans, for being on The Comical Heathen. I want to thank Kevin Bacon and Newton for inspiring me to continue to read newspaper headlines. The lovely Bach organ music you hear during the show is played by my friend Mark Bell. I want to thank Mark for his lovely music. And I want to thank all of you for listening, and I hope you'll join us again. I'm Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Thank you. Thank you.